Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza. And listen, on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, Nick and I share some of the things we wish we were told before we got into business. You know, we flopped around for a while trying to figure out this whole entrepreneur thing. Um, and over the last 10 years, we were able to learn a lot in growing and building rockstar real estate. So on this episode, we want to share some of our thinking around that, some of the things that we've learned over the last decade. Um, for context, if you're not familiar with our story, we literally started out with zero clients, zero people in our client data or customer database. We didn't have a clue what we were really doing, but we had done some studying um, in marketing. We had done um, some other business stuff. We were both had some sales experience. So we kind of had the, you know, some of the pieces of, of building a business, but we had no clue what we were stepping into. And we also didn't realize how lonely a place entrepreneurship can be. You know, when you're starting up a business, you can't really go to your friends and even your family and share some of the frustration or some of the problems that you're having. They just don't get it. So, you know, we're going to do this uh, throughout this podcast where we sit down and just talk about business building. We'll interview other people who are uh, building their own businesses and we'll share some of our story. And really, it's just an attempt to share some of the things that we wish we were told before we started. Probably would have saved us a lot of frustration um, just knowing that there are other people out there battling this kind of stuff. And the reason that we're pulling in some entrepreneur type talk into this podcast is we believe in living life on your own terms. And real estate obviously can play a great role in that. Um, but building your own business can also be a great asset. So, you know, real estate's an asset that you can just buy and, and put into action. And a business is something that you can build from scratch. So if you don't have the capital to go and buy some property, a business is something you can sit down and literally build with some hustle. So that's why we're sharing this stuff. So hopefully you find that this useful. Give us any feedback around this, any questions that you would like us to answer on, on future entrepreneur type um, episodes that we do or business building episodes that we do. You can send that into podcast at rockstarinnercircle.com. And before we get started, if you're if you're trying to figure out the real estate market and you have no clue where to begin, or you're getting advice from different people and you want to get some uh, some of our take on real estate investing, you can check out different blog posts, free access to copies of our book. You can sign up for our, the free class that we offer, where we share some of our story and some of our investment strat investment strategies at RockstarInnerCircle.com. We run this membership. It's called Rockstar Inner Circle, um, and you can check out all the benefits of becoming a Rockstar Inner Circle member at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. And over the last year, it's a primarily a real estate membership, definitely. But over the last year, we've started adding some entrepreneurial type uh, classes to that membership as well. It's it's a small percentage. Um, you know, there's there's over a dozen real estate specific classes that you get access to as a member. But we've started introducing some Amazon classes. We have some plans to introduce some future classes on business building in 2019. Um, so stay tuned for some of that kind of stuff. So um, with that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We're, are we live? Nick, you there? Are you finished wiping dandruff off your, your sweater? Were we wiping off I your don't sweater? Know, is some fluff like, or something. Dandruff, is it like dust? Maybe it's is more it, my hair falling out. I don't know. Dust attacked you. If you had like a so, dandruff right? problem going. You know what? When you wear a black sweater, it's got to be black. It can't be black with white fluff. Okay, it doesn't work. It's black or, or nothing. So look, this podcast is about uh, what we we've been in business now for ten years with Rockstar Real Estate. We've tried a bunch of other stuff before that, and in on this episode, we're going to try and share some of the lessons that we've learned over the years. And if we had to give ourselves some advice, what advice? we'd give ourselves before we got into business and obviously we have a heavy bias to what we've done and what we think we know so don't take any of this as the ultimate definitive guide to entrepreneurship but this is what's worked for us right yeah i'm i'm still caught on when you whenever you start one of these podcasts you're always like are you there can i hear you and, and it's just, it seems like it's yeah, the same you know, thing no, every time because a couple <laughs> times we have to stop because i i didn't set it up properly yeah. Anyways, and, uh, um, but yeah, on that point, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it's, it's not just us. I mean, these are a lot of principles that, that have worked for a lot of different uh, entrepreneurs, business owners that we know. Um, you know, you, I, I can just you mute you and then people won't hear you for the whole time <laughs> and it'll just be me talking. I guess you don't say business owner though, right? Entrepreneur is the catch word. That's it's the cool the word of the word. day. So it's yes. all about being an entrepreneur. 
yeah. but, but ultimately I, I think you realize when our when I I think I remember when our, when we were young and our parents were talking like when you were an entrepreneur in the eighties it meant you couldn't get a job. It's like you it didn't have the same kind of trendy coolness to it that it has now. Well, and there's different levels of it, right? Because I, I go back to the cash flow quadrant from uh, Robert Kiyosaki in, in the book The Cash Flow Quadrant. So it's like employee, self-employed, business owner, investor was kind of like the kind of the hierarchy or you know whatever you want to call it that he put in there. And I think that's the thing about it is about today is in some ways, you know, being an entrepreneur is like you just have your own job. So if that's cool and that's what you're after, then that's fine. But I think a lot of the things that we look at and, and, and we discuss is like getting beyond that and building maybe a little bit more of a of a business with people doing different roles. And, you know, and then you, you've kind of morphed from uh, the entrepreneur who is self-employed to the entrepreneur who is the business owner. And that's kind of where things change a little bit. Yeah, because I think I remember when I first started thinking about business, when I decided I hated my life and hated my job, that I wanted to do one of those businesses where you could sit on the beach all day and make like $100,000 selling ebooks. Do you remember that yeah. phase where you could just... I still do, want that. No, I know. But I thought that's what business was. And it really, you know what uh, reminded me that businesses, you have to get out in the world and actually like make sales yeah. and uh, uh, face people face to face was this um, marketing conference we were at a few weeks ago when that Italian guy... Oh, he was awesome. He was amazing. So there's this guy up there, Frank. What was his name? Frank? I forget. I guess it wasn't it that awesome. It can be Frank. It but he was good. Franco. But Frank... He was uh, good. He, because <laughs> He was amazing. Yeah. Basically what he said, so, if, you know, if you weren't there, he, he gets on the stage, he runs uh, multiple uh, successful businesses in Europe, and he was sharing his story, and he basically said, he was calling people assholes and stupid oh, yeah. for not realizing, I mean, in a good way. I don't know how I can say that that was a good way, but it was a good way, because his point was, you can't hide behind a computer and expect to make, like, a real business. You actually have to meet yeah. people face to face and have some sort of sales force whether that's you or people on your team and that to just make sales online really is just not going to be the way for most people and of course there's Amazon and there's Google and there's all exceptions to what he said but he said in general if you want to make a business that has any is making any meaningful money you really are going to have to get like a sales team and even if they're not meeting people face to face they're getting on the phone and calling or they're following up via email and actively doing the sales transaction action and things aren't just happening automatically for you at all times yeah anyone anyone that we know that's taken even the online businesses and that's taken it and grown them yeah taking it from like a one-man show into a business it, it requires all that stuff look and, and and i'm kind of only half joking uh, i'm sorry i'm half joking about be, having the business selling ebooks on the beach because although that sounds very nice it gets hot on the beach too, you know, with the computer, the computer will overheat, but, but especially with our skin tone, we yeah. just burn, <laughs> but, we look um, for shade. but, uh, you know, it's, it's not my thing because to do that, right. To be selling the eBooks on the beach, right. Which is really a past models. Yeah. It's much more difficult. Dead. But anyways, yeah. that, that type of thing is you need to be so into the analytics and, and, and driving traffic and how to drive traffic and, and how these pages are converting and that type of stuff. Like, I mean, so into the analytics to, to be building this business, it's not really my thing. You know, I, I, I'm probably more of a numbers guy than you when like that type of stuff, like I don't mind it as much, but to that level, like that's engineer type level. And I don't, I don't, it's, I don't. It's of, not fun. You're just sitting behind yeah, spreadsheets it's not all day. my thing. But, uh, but that guy, Frank, the Italian guy, he, remember, <laughs> he, he mimicked what he, what yeah. he said to people by the pool <laughs> people were, and he turned sideways and he kind of pretended to sit down while he was standing. Pretended to type on a, and, on yeah, a, on a keyboard. Goes, what are you guys people, what are yeah. you people doing? And he goes, what are you, so funny. who taught you, you think you can make money by clickety, clickety, click yeah. on your keyboard yeah. on Facebook or something yeah. like that. Yeah. He was, he reminded me of uh yeah, he just reminded me of real business. But uh, anyway, okay. So the number one thing that I think I would uh, want to know you know, 20 years ago, um, getting into business. And I think this is like a hotly contested, maybe even topic. But the number one thing I wish I knew is that getting customers is the number one skill that you should learn, study, read about, and figure out before you get into business. Otherwise, you're going to have a hard time. Like most people don't start out with just getting so many referrals that they can't, uh, that they can grow a bit. Actually, I guess some people do. I mean, it, it depends on the industry, right? So like if you're a great uh, look, look right now, like so many people, especially the investors we work with, uh, good trades people are hard to find or good general contractors, whatever. So, I mean, look at the handyman that we found. 
you know, like I, I found multiple handymen and I start sharing the names with different people. And then before you know it, these guys are like too busy. They can't do anything. So there are people that work out that way because they're just maybe good at what they do. But again, that's now I also still think a one man show. That's also a one man show. And I also think that referral ba- purely referral based businesses are also sometimes uh, an outcome of the state of the economy. Yeah, that's, Like if exactly. money is flushing around and stuff, there's referrals flushing around. But when things tighten up. You know, if you're depending on referrals solely, I'm not sure that survives. Well, you're creating a lot of risk too. So for example, like in, in, you know, if we use these examples about the handyman that, you know, we've referred a lot of business to, if all of a sudden these, the business or the, the, the deliverable isn't as good and us and all of our teams stop kind of sharing this name, then the business gets cut and can cut, yeah, cut in half or very gone. quickly. Yeah. So now you're, and now you don't have those skills with getting a customer. You're like, oh crap, what happened? Or the economy changes and there isn't money slushing around. So you have the, no competitive advantage over your competitors. You're just like, yeah, I'm a good guy. Can someone hire me? Yeah. yeah so yeah. so there is a di- there is a, a a big difference, and it, I, I think it goes back to again what you're what you're looking for. There was a comment on uh, one of our posts before, and someone's like, hey, I have a landscaping business, and uh, I don't uh, you know do marketing, or I don't know my cost per customer. I get referrals, and I'm doing great for myself. And that's cool. I mean, I don't know the size of his business yeah, and, and maybe it's great. Yeah. But the difference to me is like, well, that that's cool. But you know those, uh, what is it? True Green, is that one of them? The lawn companies that come so. around and fertilize yeah, yeah. lawn. Those guys that have the students working for them in the summer that have, I don't know, 50 trucks driving around fertilizing people's lawns that are sending direct mail. Those guys that built that company, they know their cost per customer. They know what it costs them because they're spending the money in marketing and stuff. And that's why they're at that level and they're operating that game while some other guys are just kind of like going to their next job, you, you know, Agreed. from the referral base thing. Want to grow, two different things. Two different things. If you want to grow a business, you know or need to know how to get new customers beyond referrals. But in an economy that's been growing the way this economy, let's face it, we've had probably the best 10-year run in an economic growth cycle that, I mean, I'm 45 right now, that maybe I can kind of remember. So if you can't kind of succeed in business over these last 10 years, how are you going to possibly succeed during like a tightening right. cycle? Yeah, yeah. You know, so so there's also kind of that, like a, a lot of businesses are the product of just a slushy economy with a lot of money kind of moving around. But to your point, yeah, if you want to grow a business, you need to understand your cost per lead. You need to understand how to get customers by yourself without referrals. And to me, that's the ultimate freedom. Because if I don't want to depend on referrals. Well, then you're not. You're also not stuck in whatever niche you're doing. Like whatever. Like so, if you're a mortgage broker, right, and you don't know how to get clients, or you get referrals only from agents or whatever, then you're kind of stuck doing that. But if you're if you're able to do what you're talking about, you can now be like, ah, you know what, this mortgage thing, or or maybe mortgage broker industry disappears because all the banks are like, you know what, we're not going to deal with brokers anymore. We're just going to try to go to the clients directly. So, but now you have the skills to acquire customers. You're not stuck being a mortgage broker. You can now move on to something else. So yeah, it, it, it to your point, it, it's probably the number number one source of freedom and it's it, it gives you the foundation to do whatever it is you want to do. So like if you're opening your doors as a store and you don't know how you're going to get, how many stores do you see, clo- like retail stores? How many close down? Good stores that you've probably been to. I know I've been places where I'm like, man, I can't believe that place closed down. It was great. Oh, but, yeah. Awesome boutique coffee shops that closed down and piss me off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and, and, and then there's a there's a little kind of shortcut or hack for that. You can go to where the customers are. Like a lot of people are starting Amazon based businesses today because Amazon's done a great job of acquiring customers like the Amazon search engine on Amazon is basically a search engine of actively looking buyers like potential customers. So if you can sell stuff on Amazon and use their platform, you kind of hack the system a little bit and you yourself don't have to understand how to get customers. You just put yourself in an environment where the customers kind of already are. It kind of, Nick, it reminds me of when you were doing some flea market stuff. Like there was going to be people in the flea markets. If you just kind of like set up shop there and had anything decent to say, there was going to be a hundred people walking by on a Sunday. Remember when stores were closed on Sundays and flea markets were like the thing? There's going to be like a hundred people walking by you every hour. If you couldn't make a few sales, like you had a problem but here's the thing that like I kind of struggle with at most times is that where do you tell people to get some information on how to get customers like I never have one you know someone will say okay well that sounds good um I don't want to depend on referrals 
And by the way, referrals are obviously amazing and great, and you should get referrals as a business. Oh, they're typically better clients. They're better clients. They're the best clients. Um, But to get customers, I never know the single thing to tell people. Like, I kind of struggle because it's been years of education for us on understanding the principles of marketing. So there's not like one place to go to. Like I have a few kind of go-to books that I recommend people read, but do you have any, any place you, you point people? I'll share some of those books in a second. Um, I think one of them is actually over your shoulder. It's one of them's Michael Masterson's book, uh, ready fire aim. That book, it does a great job of explaining how to look at a market and how to price out customers and acquire customers. So Ready, Fire, Aim by Michael Masterson to me is a fantastic book if you just want some education on how do you look at your business from the point of view of setting up systems to acquire new customers. He's really good at that. And then obviously we, we bring up Dan Kennedy a lot. So Dan Kennedy's really good at that. A bunch of Dan Kennedy books. Um, he's good at that. Yeah, just buy all his stuff and figure it out. I like this one too. Um, the, Secret of, the Secret of Selling Anything, Harry Brown. Yeah, that's a good one too. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty simple book, yeah. simple read. It, 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 and it's, it was nothing new. I just like the way it was positioned here. I think for a lot of people in business, um, it can explain how they, you know, how to properly position your business instead of what the average business does about, you know, more like how long they've been in business and, and why that matters to people. Uh, because it doesn't, doesn't, no one cares how long you've been in business. If you know, if you've been in business 10 years or, or 50 years, it doesn't really matter to the large majority of people. They just care about what's going to, what the results going to be for them. But you know, uh, that's, I have two copies left of that book. That's the second one. The other one's sitting right there. It's hard to I find. love that book. You can't even buy it on Amazon anymore. I don't no, think. no, you could. We, we did. I don't even anything. think, I don't even think that we bought this on Amazon. Harry I, think we, Brown. I think it's someone, I, I th- I'm pretty sure that isn't it, um, Ken McCarthy that got the reprint Maybe. rates and he's he's selling it, I think. Yeah, got it. So that's kind of, so if you're listening to this and you want to know how we kind of went around studying marketing principles, it was reading a books like some of the ones we mentioned, Michael Masterson stuff, Dan Kennedy stuff. Bill Glazier has been a longtime mentor to us and his books are really good because he actually lays out um, actual marketing campaigns that people have used so you can kind of study those. Here's my big thing with, with this stuff. If, if, if we're mentioning people and people are going to go look for other resources, that's cool. Like, you know, we did the same thing. However, don't believe don't believe like don't believe anything you don't believe anything unless you figure out that that person has successfully implemented it there are so many people teaching all sorts of business marketing life coaching all sorts of stuff that they don't they don't practice any of it and but yet they're selling it to other people and that to me is the biggest disconnect i would always try to find sources of people that have used the same principles whatever it is that they're they're trying to teach you and then implemented them that to me as is you know if, if if i don't know if it's the same point or another point but if we're talking about building a business that would be something big to me that i'd be looking at now because early on i would get caught up in a lot of the hype of different things and not realize that you know some of these people don't have the experience i thought they were coming from a place of, of first hand experience which they didn't have so and i, I was following uh, and th- we were younger too. I think when you're young and some you 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 discover something that looks like it's a new model mm-hmm. or a new way to do business, you're immediately attracted to that. As now we've gotten older and run started different things and gone through and grown a business, and you kind of reflect back, you doubt so many more people just naturally. Because in in my mind, I know what I do now is like I'm like. I'll see a new kind of business model and I'll kind of discount it a little bit saying that's not new. That's actually not new. Like I can see the principles that are being used here. Um, you know, and if you just know the principles, you know, you're going to be better off than knowing this one little tactic on Facebook or on Twitter to how to get customers. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. I think as I get older, I just get more critical because I have more context and perspective. When you're young, you're just attracted to the new stuff easier and you think the old people don't get it. So there's this kind of like weird disconnect. Yeah, there's very, very little new stuff in, in that in that type of world because it's all based on the principles. Yeah. I mean, it morphs slightly depending on different things. But I mean, overall... That, you know, if, if, if you don't have the principles from 50 years ago in place, then it doesn't matter what technology or whatever else you have. It's, it's just not going to work out. Totally. So if you have the principles, then you add on all the other shiny object stuff that can be beneficial. And that's how things morph a little bit, but the principles matter more than anything. Yeah. And we can, we, we might do an episode one day just on that, this, cause we could spend the whole time on this, but I want to go to some other things on just around entrepreneurship and business building. One thing I had written down, Nick, just thinking about this a little bit was, um, how valuable it has been over the years to go against the grain and kind of do the opposite of the masses. Because when I look back at my own life, 
every good thing that I did was almost directly opposite to what everyone else either around me or professionals told me to do. So for example, when I went at at the end of university, when I thought my life was over and that my university, my bachelor of science in psychology was going to be worthless because I couldn't get a job because nobody was looking for those skills and everybody wanted IT skills. um, I found a school on Bay Street that was opening up that taught post uh, grad uh, university graduates um, a nine month program on IT skills. And I went there, it cost me 13,600, which was basically all the money that I had. And then our parents kind of gave me some money to help out with that. And everyone at that time said that was a little bit ridiculous that you're going to take this after university. It was the best thing I did. So I went kind of against the grain there. And then I can just map it out when I got my first job after that school, because I I got job offers like crazy because I had skills that were in demand now, which was a big lesson in and of itself. Um, after that, I left Royal Bank's IT department to go work at Oracle in tech support. And at Royal Bank, I was a programmer. And to go from a programmer position to tech support, everyone around me said, that's a step down. Why are you doing that? You're going backwards. You're not going forwards. But I looked at it like I was going to Oracle to learn from the vendor itself that sold a whole bunch of database software to the biggest companies around the world. So if I had to take a step backwards to get in there, my skills overall would be better. And then when I was at at Oracle and tech support, I decided I was going to leave tech support and go into sales. And everyone in tech support told me, you're going to, what's going to happen to your technical skills? And you know, you really don't want to do that. You're going to lose these skills. And then I went into sales. It was the best thing. And I can map that forward the whole way. Like when I left Oracle to go to NetSuite, well, at NetSuite, when I decided to quit my job and go into business with you. And then when we got here and got to a real estate brokerage and said that we were going to work with investors, everybody around us that was in real estate said investors are too hard to work with. So like all the best decision points in my life, I don't know if it's just the perspective I'm using, have been moments in time where I've completely gone against advice. Like I remember our, my, our accountant, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's our late accountant, now he's, he's passed away, great guy. I remember when he sat down and said, hey, Tom, you know what, I got to say something at your income level here. I don't advise you quit your job. And he said that in front of Carol, my wife. And I remember walking out of that meeting, to, meeting telling Carol, hey, man, I'm, I'm still going to, I still want to quit my job, <laughs> no matter what he said. So like all, all thanks, thanks for the help, man. Thanks for the yeah. help. Carol was so supportive. I'm so lucky. But uh, the, the, uh, every moment along that path has been like going against the grain. So I don't know if that's just me in my mind setting it up that way. So it looks cool, but that's kind of the way I analyze. I've it done a lot of stupid things in my life that I went against the grain and I wish I hadn't done them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Got it. Yeah. So, so it's not there, a universal but there truth. Are, there are big things. I mean, I get what you're saying. There are big things, but if I think back to my years in high school and college and all the stuff that p- other people weren't doing that I had that, I don't know, audacity or balls to do or whatever it was. I don't know if I would do some of them again. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe going against the grain only applies to decisions around school. No, I uh, think decisions after... 20, age of 21 or something yeah then maybe. i'll never forget there's i think i've told you this there was this anthropology class i took at university of toronto and it basically what it's what they taught you in that uh class was that the the some anthropologists had studied this tribe in south america and in this tribe in south america if anyone leaves the tribe you are you were never allowed to re-enter the tribe you were gone for it was like a lifetime ban you're dismissed but they had this one exception and it was males From the age of like 16 or 18 to like 24. And I remember when I read that, I'm like, this is freaking fascinating to me because you lose your mind during those years. Guys lose their mind during those years. Like I didn't come back into reality till about 24, 25. When I got my car from 16, I would say from 16 to 24, I was just all over. Like I went from getting 90s in high school to just chaos for like eight years. Like right even through the university years. It's good that that university degree paid off. So you paid, how much did you pay for that one? That's probably is that <laughs> the only story you remember for university. <laughs> yeah, the university degree, no, paid off. I met Carol on my, my first day there. I uh, made a lot of great friends. So it was like a glorified dating site. Yeah, the stats <laughs> class. I took a stats class that was pretty good that I'm pretty sure I have an F on my transcript for because I didn't drop it. It was like the most, I had the most interesting class ever, stats. And then I just decided that like, I think it was like Friday mornings at like 8 a.m. Yeah, we always too used to early. Go, so I just never went to it and then I didn't drop it in time. And I'm like, man, is it really a good idea to have like an F on your transcript? But I was too lazy to even go to the registrar's office and drop it. <laughs> ridiculous just ridiculous stuff 
So yeah, either go against the grain or at least question the masses. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. question okay. it. Question my question. Don't it actually decide. go against yeah. the grain or wait until you're after 24. But okay, so the next one I wanted to talk about is that uh, we we share this with people around real estate too, uh, too um, and business building. You're just never going to have enough knowledge. Like I remember trying to read so much and try to understand so much about business, but there comes a point in time when you're business building and when you study marketing. You just have to take the plunge and and like the lessons come from the mistakes you make. Like you need to take the plunge in anything you're thinking of doing um, because the lessons come from the mistakes. I, I mentioned this to somebody the other day. If I walked into the gym when I was 40, when you told me, hey, Tommy, you should probably exercise. There's this thing called exercise and you should probably explore the concept. No, Nick, I'm in shape. I know what I, I'm doing. I don't, I don't think I ever to. said I'm in shape. Not in shape, but I, I don't think we, I said we don't I was have to out of shape. Maybe we don't, I don't have to have the little brother, out, big brother moment. But listen, if I walked in there and, and said, hey, I just want to squat 300 pounds on day one, I would have never been able to do it. I had to start, I had to make mistakes, I had to drop the bar a few times, you know, I had to put on some weight and fail. Like if you want to build something, you have to begin, you have to make the mistakes. I don't know why that's not clear to all of us when we're younger, but now it's very clear to me that in real estate investing or in business building, the best education you can get is not waiting till you have everything perfect to just dive in and mess around. Like how many mess ups did we make um, starting this business. Yeah, how much money? Did, do you remember how much money we spent on color photocopies? Mm-hmm. Which one of us decided that color photocopies were going to be the key to? Col- no, it was color printed brochures. If it was, if it was about spending more money, it was your decision. I don't think in this one though it was it, me. If it was about cutting back, it was my decision. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we, we. I was the one that started tracking, not doing color, and saying it doesn't make a difference. Why the hell are we doing color? Yeah, so just for context, when we started out, we decided that we were going to mail out kind of like packages to interested real estate investors and for whatever reason we printed them all out on color paper and at that time nick do you remember what color was costing us a page i want to say like no i have no idea but it, it was, was like it was expensive cents or something like that we pay more than that now do we yeah. okay so i'm dollar fifty i had no clue i had no clue but i remember we ordered this one uh, this is the most ridiculous thing we ever did we ordered color brochures and even instead of using a local printer to do it we ordered them from somebody in Ohio. But we actually then, got them cheaper. Is that why we did oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we, okay, we, so we, we got them. We got them cheap, even with the conversion. And we were driving down there for some mastermind meetings and stuff. Oh, yeah. So we, so, we, so we would just pick them up and bring them back. But even with the conversion, we got them cheaper. It was tough, man. Like, look, we still order stuff today in our business where we order, we order like, I mean, basic, basic things like envelopes, like different envelopes used for different marketing purposes. We order them from the States, pay conversion, which the dollar's not great right now. We pay shipping, we pay duties, and we still get them for cheaper than where we can find things uh, in Canada. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy to me. I'm like, this makes no sense. I'd love to support a local Canadian business. Why can't, why can it not be, why are they not as competitive as, as, as these prices? What, and what's with the red envelopes that we're using right now? We're using red envelopes that we've never used before. To we just changed it. We changed it. We had to change some postage stuff. So we had to change the, we couldn't, we had to change the envelopes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So I guess just different, we've made all the kinds of mistakes and the, the, to, to circle back on the color photocopy stuff. Nick, do you remember how much, I think we spent like $3,000 or $4,000 or something like $5,000 on a whole whack load of material. And then one day we decided, hey, why don't we test out sending out the same um, uh, investment packages to interested investors in black and white? And it'll be like a fraction of the cost. And didn't we notice the conversions uh, to that or people who would raise their hand and say, yeah, they want to work with us was like exactly the same with the black and white. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty It was close, like yeah. negligible difference. And we just wasted thousands of dollars that we didn't have at the time. So I guess my point is just, you know, you're not going to have all the right information. You're not going to know what to do all the time. You have to go make these mistakes. Um, and and, and it, it's from doing that the, the value actually, actually comes. Um, yeah, I think, you, you, and you just got to find, like, to realize you're not smart. Like, like the benefit of being the entrepreneur business owner is that you're not smart. Go find other people that are smarter than you to do those tasks, and then, but you're the person out there doing stuff because that's what separates you apart, right? There's always going to be someone smarter. So if you're just basing everything, your success off being smart, then, you know, you'll, you'll just lose. The benefit's going to be going, getting out there and doing stuff. Because very few people will just get out there and kind of have, you know, deal with stuff. 
Yeah, and I think very few people, like myself included, when you start, you don't want to fail because you don't want to. You don't want your friends or you don't want family to look at you as a failure, and you don't want people to point at you and say, "Hey, I told you that wasn't going to work." So you naturally have this big built-up fear to go and try something new. I know that I. I I'm I don't so think clueless that, to that because no, I don't have it. You, like I, I was just like, whatever. I'm just gonna do this. Like I, I was so in my own world, I guess. But although at the time too, like I, there was a lot of my friends that I had stopped kind of talking to, like I had changed an, an entire group of friends that I had not too far in a distant future, just because I realized I had to, to kind of get to where I wanted to in life. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just never had, I never, we had, we've all changed our friends. I'll never forget. I, I, I think we were driving up with this one street in, uh, <laughs> in, uh, Mississauga by Marconi pizza on Cothra road in Mississauga. And uh, I hadn't seen this guy in a long time, I was driving with Carol. I don't think we had kids yet, but we were married. And we're driving up Cawthra Road. And this guy starts honking his horn. And uh, he's in a Firebird that like has, you know when it has all mismatched panels because they've replaced panels on the car but haven't painted it the same color. Basically cuts me off on Cawthra. I pull into the parking lot at Marconi Pizza there in Mississauga. He hops out. We hadn't seen each other, I, I, I guess it was like eight, nine, you know, since high school, basically. And uh, kind of gives me a big hug. And then he looks at me and he, he asks, hey, do you have a... Do you have so I don't want to say the person's name, on right now, but do you have so and so's uh, phone number? I'm like, no, no, why? Like, why? He goes, I have a kilo of heroin, and I need to sell it. I'm like, hey man, I think our lives have taken different directions, man. All the best, all the best. To you back in the car. Carol's asked me, hey, who's that guy? I'm like, yeah, that's a guy I knew from high school, and we just kind of went on. I haven't seen him since. I hope the guy's okay, but I could just tell. Jeez, yeah, that's yeah, that, a whole the different pat, world. That was just a whole different world that he was on. So I think we all, to, to your point about, like, you know, you kind of change your friends. I think it's important that you changed your friends when you, well, you had good friends. I don't mean that you had bad friends. No, no, but I like still, you just, I, I, you just still, eliminated people that were going to have yeah, a bad Yeah, there's influence. still a lot of them. I, I talked to today, but it was just some of them I had to kind of, I had to make a shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but I never went down the path of like, I, you know, I think I was just, I was younger than you at the time. So maybe I was just too naive to know better. You had a family and stuff. So there was just more riding on it. But for me, there was just never of like, it was like, what happens if I fail? I was like, I don't know. I'll just do something else. You yeah. Know? You've I, always I had know. that in you. But I think, you know, also I think uh, you were young enough when you started in uh, real estate and in business when someone has a career, like if you're like 30 and you have that kind of good job to tell your family that you're going to walk away from your downtown Toronto Bay Street job because or tech industry job, you know, in, in Toronto because you want to go start selling stuff on Shopify and make your own business. People are going to look at you like you've absolutely lost your marbles and the parents of your girlfriend are going to tell their daughter, who is this guy walking away from that job to go start this business? So I just think that you're also lucky that you got started in it so early. Yeah, that I that I can see. I I can I can see that 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 makes sense, yeah. right? Because yeah. you're giving you feel like now you've put in all these years to get to where you yeah, are, you and you're just kind of giving it degree. all up. You got yeah. the career that matches the degree, and now you're going to walk away from it. Whereas I essentially came out of school. I, I was at the government job for a few years, got pretty frustrated each time. I got a number of promotions, still got frustrated with just bureaucracy there and stuff, and left there, and then quickly just skipped to a couple different places and kept doing different stuff. So it wasn't. I had no built up career equity that I felt like I was really walking away from. Yeah, I felt like I could step into the positions I was in at any time again. Yeah, and you had enough uh, frustration that it kind of drove you. I tell everyone now, I go, hey, listen, if you have a good job and you, you want to quit, but all of a sudden you get that next promotion and you're happy, can you get over that? Because after the next promotion, after the kind of high of the next promotion, yeah, you're just pissed off again. You're going to be pissed off again. Yeah. So instead of looking at just the next promotion to define your happiness in your career or whether you want to stay or not, map out the next 20 years. What do the next 30 years look like if you stay where you are? Like map it all out. Take that time. I know when I looked at my career mapping forward 20 years, that was one of the biggest things that frustrated me. So you had the frustration from the bureaucracy. I had the frustration from looking ahead 20 years thinking, I don't like who that person is. I'm going to make some changes now, you know? Um, so it, bottom line is in business, you're never going to have all the information. At some point, you do need to take the leap and begin. You know, but if you focused on our, our first topic of ta getting customers and you know how you think you're going to get customers, you can mitigate the risks as you take that mm -hmm. leap, right? Yeah, and then I guess the next one for me is that the best laid plan, doesn't matter how smart you think you are when you get into business, if you have no experience doing it, I mean, even if you do have experience, it's not going to go according to plan. 
It's not. And there's going to be a, just a whack load of crap you're going to have to deal with. And it's why, you know, one of the things that I tell myself often when I'm in an emotional state, when things are kind of hitting the fan or uh, what I tell other people is like, yeah, realistically, it's like, look, in business, it's whoever deals with the most shit wins. That's it. It's like, look, how much shit are you willing to deal with? The Most people aren't willing to deal with any of it. They want to go and point the finger at someone else. They want to turn to someone else for take responsibility and let them handle it and be like, whew, got off easy with that one. I, got to, I don't want to deal with that crap. Um, but, but if you're able to deal with the bigger problems and you're able to handle that, you're now you make yourself irreplaceable and it's much easier for people to kind of follow your lead in whatever it is, is that you're doing. And I yeah, think you've always been thing. really good at that. You've always been willing, no matter what comes up with properties or business, just facing the problem head on and tackling it. Or but, m- but it freaks people. me out. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, but I get, I have to get to the pissed off point, right? Once I'm just like, ah, oh, well, either I have to deal with it because it's something urgent or it's like, oh, I can't believe I have to deal with this. And then I get, when I get like kind of frustrated by the whole situation, then I get super motivated. And then I'm able to kind of, I'm like, all right, let's do it, you know? So yeah, depending on the situation. But but I do go through, it's not just instant. Depending on the situation, sometimes it is, I do go through that emotional period that other people go through as well. Where you're just like, oh man, do I really want to have to handle this? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a battle that way as well. But usually when a problem gets big enough for us, if we put enough momentum behind it where we're each kind of attacking it head on, it goes away pretty cu- quickly and yeah, gets settled pretty that's quickly. That's the thing that freaks me out. And it freaks me out when I talk to other people just on my personal side too. You know, when people say, oh, well, you know, I kind of really want to do this or wasn't sure how to do this. And I'm like, and I'm try- trying to teach my kids um, how, to, how to do things. And uh, it brought up a story that I'll share in a second. And I'm like, yeah, we instead of we doing one thing and they're like, oh, okay, well, we'll see in two days if this figures it out and something that's a little bit time pressing. We don't do one thing. We start doing five things or 10 things or whatever the number is. And then we'll, whatever we think can work out the soonest, then we start, we go down that path while we leave the other ones kind of continuing to boil. Because uh, if the first one doesn't work out, then we can shift to the second one quickly. And I think that's what that approach has really benefited us a lot. You know, we, you can't just kind of passively try to see what's going to kind of happen and who's going to pop up to resolve things. And so the story I was thinking of was I was at the teach, uh, teacher interview um, at my uh, at the, my, my kid's school yesterday. And I, the, it was really, the interview was with my uh, four-year-old, so the kindergarten teacher, but, but my older daughter had come up. And I guess that the kindergarten teacher monitors during lunchtime, like the clubs that they have or something. And uh, Ella, my older daughter, started a club at school this year. She was like, her and one of her friends are like the leader of this club. And uh, which I thought was kind of cool. I'm like, yeah, you want to do it, do it. But I guess she, so maybe I've taught her different things. So she's always trying to work different angles, right? And she wants to make sure the teacher's there so she can start her club. So she's been going down, I didn't know this, she's been going down to the office every Monday right before the clubs will start saying, hey, where's this teacher's name? And then the office is like, well, (laughs) she's in her classroom still. So then she goes to the classroom saying, hey, like we got to start a club. Like, are you coming? And she's like, yeah, it's 12.05. It's not 12.10 yet. Like I'm not supposed to be there for five more minutes. So she had to have a talk with her saying, hey, don't go to the office every week and ask where I am and don't come. I'm going to be here at 12.10. But I'm like, that's, you know, so. She's just getting something done. Yeah. So part of me was like, oh, so I'm trying to, I'm agreeing to the teacher. I'm like, oh yeah, it's great. You had that conversation. But the other side of me is like, oh, I got to talk to her and make sure that I let her know how good that is of what she was doing like she needs that to get it done go get what you need right it was awesome i was disrupt the whole school yeah yeah totally i was i was just laughing inside i thought it was kind of i thought it was kind of cool so we'll see where it goes uh you know just on this whole topic of like chaos and stuff in business something that you have brought i think you brought it up when we were first dealing with problems is that we always felt frustrated if we didn't have an information advantage I think you always talked about it that way, that like if we if, if somebody called us with a problem in business, often the reason that we felt stress is because they had more information than we had. Yeah, but you don't know the answer to something. That freaks me. When I don't know the answer or even like where to get the answer, then I'm like, then I feel more stressed than any other yeah. situation. And, yeah. and what a lot of people do just from observing people is a lot of people freeze at that point. So they just kind of stew in their own stress. And something that we kind of has helped us a lot, if you ever get hit with that kind of situation, instead of just thinking about the problem, write down the five people or the five things, websites, people to call, whatever it is that you could possibly do. Have a little brainstorming session with yourself on where to get information about this problem. And as soon as you reach out, and it's often to just like one person or one website to go and research some information, as soon as you have a bit more information on whatever the problem is that you're tackling, the stress of it just almost eliminates completely. 
You know, so if, if you find yourself in a stressful situation of any sort and it's not something you can research, find a person who is in a similar business or has a business like you and call them to discuss it. It just automatically kind of alleviates the stress of the situation instead of kind of stewing in the stress. Many times we've had problems and if we didn't have the answer, you know, you know, when you sleep on a big problem overnight, you don't sleep well and that kind of thing. Actually, I both I, we both pretty sleep pretty well. I think. I've never really had yeah, those, I've never those, really had those problems. problems. Sleeping. Even with even with like big <laughs> problems, yeah, I, I, I get tired to go well, to bed. Yeah, me yeah. too. But uh, but if you if you can't sleep well, this is what to do. But in general, if something's on your mind for any length of time, you know, just attack it. And then one other thing, if you're dealing with problems. When Nick and I started, I remember in business, we were dealing with one investor really early on and they couldn't find a tenant for their property. They were really kind of struggling. By this point, they should have found a tenant for their property and their property was sitting vacant for some time and it was really starting to bother me. And it was it was starting to bother me to the point where I couldn't focus on other things. And I remember thinking that, look, today I can't go and solve this problem for this person. You know, there's nothing happening today that's going to allow me to do this. I need to actually find another problem, a better problem to put my mind toward. So now whenever I have problems in life, and this might sound ridiculous, if something's frustrating me, I will actually analyze the level of problem I think it is. And if that problem on a scale of, you know, one to 10 is like a three level type problem, I give myself a bit of shit. I'm like, you know what? I'm even going to think about that problem right now, because if I'm working on a level three problem, my life isn't really progressing the way I want it to. I'm not reaching the goals that I want to reach. So I'm going to look for a level seven problem. This doesn't mean you ignore the problem, but it just means if you can't do anything about that problem in that moment, work on some other higher level problems. And often the lower problems just automatically take care of themselves anyway. Yeah, I agree. You know, so sometimes I tell people if you're facing problems, just look for higher problems to work it, on. It was a hard thing for me to learn though, because I, you, you know, I just naturally like, you know, I, when someone, when there's a problem, I'm not the person that freezes. I'm always like, okay, well, I'm yeah. thinking about five solutions. Because yeah, we're both control freeze. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, you know, it was tough for me, like not dealing with the smaller things. But now, when stuff comes up, I mean, look, there's something that should have been dealt with. It's not so much a problem, but like it's kind of a little bit of a project that's been on my office floor um, because the desk has run out of different different <laughs> of space for like a month. And it needs to get off the ground. But right now, there's just other priorities. So I love I how there's a problem on it. your floor that needs to get off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what's nice? I've noticed by leaving it on the floor, every, anyone, when they come into my office, they actually step around. No one's actually stepped on it yet. Now yeah. it's turned into a little social experiment. When like, put, is someone going to step on that stuff on When the I floor? put pieces of paper or something I need to handle on the floor, that means my life's to the point where I need to handle that problem at the, some point. The if, if the desk is full and I'm using floor space yeah. now, now it's like, oh, shit. I've caught up most of it. The last few weeks have been busy. The last, So I've caught up on a lot of stuff. I'm I'm just not all the way there yet. But there's less stuff on the floor than there was. We're down to like single digit piles of stuff to deal with yeah. on the floor. So we're, we're getting there. Okay, so the other thing that's uh, helped us in business make decisions, because I think some people freeze in decision making, at least we have in the past, is uh, using principles to run your business has been like this weird little secret that has kept us very efficient. So here's what I mean by that. Even when Nick were just the two of us, and as we've grown, we have these three little principles that we live by. Um, and it's what Rockstar's kind of built off of. The principles are do the right thing, treat others as you treat yourself, and always give 100%. And I think, I think one of them, Nick, we always kind of change a little bit. You say the second principle a little different than me. But the first principle is always do the right thing. That one matters. Yeah, that's the, anything, and ultimately, yeah. like, that's 90% of everything. And the reason that it's, it's good to have principles that kind of, like, run your life and your business, from my point of view, is if you just follow those principles, it makes decision-making so easy. Early on in our business-building adventure with Rockstar Real Estate, we were approached by some guys that said, hey, look, if you are able to put us up in front of your investors, you will make so much, I'll never forget the words, I'm sure you won't either. You will make so much money by us kind of presenting that you will back up the truck. Yeah, I remember after he said, okay, say, get back ready, up back the up the truck. Yeah. yeah, and I remember when he said back up the truck on, you know, I had like Turned a us cringe. both off right Yeah, away. like I cringed, yeah. you know, and we hung up the phone and it was an easy, it's not like something we even had to, because I think going into that phone call, we both thought we were going to do this. We were actually honored that somebody like this was going to, you know, speak yeah. at something we were doing. And the the lure of that time, I mean, look at the, the money, the financial number, the the projected financial number of income to us was, or to the business, was uh, was well over six figures. Like it was, it was a decent chunk of money. It wasn't, you know, you know, and and then at that time, it, of course, you know, when the business is smaller, it's even more valuable than when the business is bigger. Any business is, is like that, right? 
And uh, so it, it was enticing, but it was an easy decision to turn it away. Yeah, it, we hung up the phone. I think we didn't. We just looked at each other afterwards um, and knew that like that wasn't going to ha- uh, that wasn't going to happen. Like, yeah, we it, were not going to do this. It wasn't the right thing to do. We felt that for the investors we were working with, it wasn't the right thing to do for for them. You know, and and, and to back to that, to, to those principles made it easy to make that decision. It's like, what's the right thing to do? And we're like, well, would we want to be in this situation? Like, yeah, no. So, so make the decision make, even though it was going to put a lot of money, which we could have used in our pockets at that time. Mm-hmm. It just, and going forward, that's something we share with the team. So the team runs with these principles. I mean, it just, it's made business building so easy and it's made us do things easy for um, customers and clients. Like if we've made a mistake, we just say, hey, what's the right thing to do here? And then we do that, right? Like it, it just kind of, it, it makes the business really efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, so using principles. So, um, another thing that I kind of had to learn the hard way. And I think we both did is that you're just not going to make everybody happy in business. I was just speaking to, I've never been able to do that in my life. I've always been okay with that. <laughs> I don't, I don't make people have like, forget you it. You can see Nick's the exception you don't, in our business. You don't like it. Leave. Not in the like business, the, but I just mean in, you know, one thing I kind of, it just threw school and stuff. My Diana's always amazed. My wife's always like, she goes, I never understood in high school what people are so, conscious of in those years a lot of people not everyone most people are so conscious of like fitting in and you know like what people are thinking of them and stuff yeah i never cared she's like yeah you just never really cared and i think there were some instances instances that i did obviously but for the most part i was just kind of like i know this is just me and if you'd like it great i let's hang out and if you don't too bad not too bad like i'm better than you just like that's no problem there's other people pretty messed up right yeah i don't know i have no i think i got that from mom's pretty much like that too yeah yeah, she's like that right i think i got it from her somehow i I just i don't know i am the way i am and that's it yeah deal with it but uh i I find i find that uh i was just talking to another business owner before we got here who um uh got some uh negative kind of uh reviews online about his business and he's just been letting it eat at him. And he, he got into a little engagement with these people kind of back and forth on, you know, like his business versus their opinion on his oh, business. You'll never, especially online. You'll never win you, that you, battle. Yeah. First of all, you never feed the trolls, right? Yeah. You never give it. Yeah. You're, you're just never going to win. They're just looking for that. And he responded with some really good stuff, but uh, you just, you're never going to win. Um, and, and Nick, remember when we first started, when we would get like unsubscribes to our email oh, list and people yeah. would like comment, like it felt like part of our soul was it being hurt me up. to my soul. So that hurts you. That, that, that's something that you cared about because I think we were building this business and it was like maybe a little bit of this mini attack. Well, on I us. think it was a new thing to me at that point because it was this virtual, like just these, tro- like these, these trolls that I had never experienced. And then I realized, you know, shortly after that the internet's just full of these crazy oh. people that are like, you just ignore those people. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I think it's different in person when you can kind of see someone, you understand where they're coming from, who they are. There's so much more to it that I was used to that environment. But then, yeah, when someone just writes something, but it also like, I mean, a lot of people were crazy too. Cause they're like, first they were like blaming us for like, they're like, I never subscribed to this stuff. So we've never ever just like scraped email addresses or entered. We, every email we've ever sent has been someone that like requested that thing. Right. So we've never done that type of stuff. So they did subscribe and then they're like, get me off your list. Like, I, I want to be unsubscribed. I've, I've been trying to unsubscribe for weeks. And I'm like, man, like these people are crazy. There's this or big like, unsubscribe. Spamming me. Yeah. But yeah. I'm like, there's this big unsubscribe link at the bottom. You click on that and then the emails stop coming. Like, that's yeah. what it means. That's how it works. I felt, you know, and then like it took all of me not to respond saying, are you stupid or what? Like, <laughs> It's I'm, click unsubscribe. unsubscribe. Why you, well, you know, you, but, but some people just want to write back and, and just, and spew venom. And I know? think it's normal for you in your business when you're starting out to feel greatly emotionally affected negatively by that kind of stuff. So don't feel like you're alone. If you're, if that's happening to you, that happens to all of us. It happens to us less now, but like we're, you know, after 10 years of this, um, it's 10 years with rockstar, I guess 12, no, 11, 12 years since kind of we Something quit, like that, yeah. we quit our jobs. Um, it's, still kind of takes a little it's, it's almost like when you get a little negative piece of feedback like that it's like someone's just taking a little jab at you you know you just get like hit in the face a little bit and just kind of shocks you a little bit and we can just kind of like weave and bob a little bit better now and just kind of avoid that stuff whereas before you just took it right in the nose and it just felt like it just smashed your day so if this is happening to you, you got to listen to us just wash it man it happens in our business it's going to happen in your business uh, know that you have a lot of other customers who depend on you who are grateful for what you're doing who need you don't let these guys like define yeah. who you are and you know what we've been very fortunate of um as well as we have we've really 
met some incredible people over the years working in business that we've managed, you know, just because of the relationship, because of the long-term relationship with investments and stuff, we've, we've built relationships with them and they're, we didn't even know about some of the things like online people are like scoping us out or there's comments on some Facebook posts like, Oh, about yeah, that's right. Yeah. Cause we ignore that stuff so much. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I, I, like we just, we just, and that's a tip too. Just don't get it. Like don't, don't yeah. you don't handle any of the unsubscribes. Like don't get any of that stuff in front of you. Cause it just drags you down. So just ignore it, get someone else to handle ignore. it. Don't even deal with it. But, um, you know, it's been brought to our attention recently that there's a number of, people that we've worked with over the years that have kind of responded, take it upon themselves to be like, no guys, these are like, and, and kind of disagreed with whatever um, the person was writing. The person who we have no relationship with and has no, just one, one, just again, some troll that's just trying to comment on stuff and we spew kind of negativity. People are reaching out and saying, Hey, like, look, it's not really like that. There's these, these guys are good or this company's the real deal. They're not offering this stuff, which was, uh, which, which is really cool. Like that, that to me, is the stuff that you got to focus on because then that is, you know, you're doing something right. And that's what business is about when you're delivering enough value that people are happy and it doesn't have to be our business, what we're doing, it can be anything. And I was using the handyman example before, but like if, when, you know, when you know, if you're the handyman and you know that someone's calling you and they're kind of freaking out about something and you can go in, you've solved that, you've, you've put them at ease, you've delivered good value, you've done a good job, they've paid you a fair price for what you've done. Like you're, you're making people's lives better by doing that, um, you know, in, in one way, shape or form. And if you're kind of participating in that in some small way to some people, that's, that makes it all worthwhile. I think if you removed that aspect from any business, it becomes hollow very quickly. Like it's got to be about more than, oh, I just need clients and I just got to kind of make some money. You, you got to be in it for something else because the money, if you're successful within, you start, the business grows and you start earning some income, the money get, no, it doesn't get old. Like you need to prop businesses are there to, for profit because now you have employees and you're, you're, you're feeding their families and stuff like that with all the stuff they're they're doing. So, but it can't just be about that. It's gotta be about something more. Yeah, totally. Um, Okay, so I, there a couple more uh, things I wanted to mention. Deadlines, Nick, something that has driven us. I think when I'm most productive, I'm using deadlines to get stuff done. So this is an obvious time management thing. We're not going to kind of dwell on it. But just if you've forgotten the power of deadlines in your business, use deadlines for everything that you're doing to get stuff done. Because as soon as Nick and I kind of let things slip, like uh, I'm, I'm, I've been guilty of this kind of just over the years at all different times where you just kind of don't put a deadline on a project and it just drags on and on and on. As soon as you kind of put a deadline that I'm going to get something done by this day, it magically happens. I think it was one of the mentors that we had at one of the mastermind groups that we used to be a part of that would uh, told us this whole idea that good is good enough. I can't remember where we got that, Nick. But someone mentioned something. That was like, that was Kennedy. Was it yeah, one yeah. of Kennedy's stuff? Okay, so he mentioned like good is good enough, and I remember thinking like that just gave me permission to finish a project or finish a blog post or finish something that I thought would be good, but it wasn't the best or perfect, and it allowed me and gave me the freedom to kind of finish it. So now when we have deadlines, so for example. Um, we publish a monthly newsletter to Rockstar Inner Circle members who every month they get a paper-based newsletter that gets mailed out. And we both uh, you know, are responsible for, for uh, different pieces of content. And we've written uh, for that newsletter for over, uh, yeah, about 10 years now. And um, I'll set a timer on different, uh, when I'm writing those articles, I'll set a timer and allocate X number of minutes to write that article. And I'll just have that timer running. And I know by the end of that timer, I have to be done that month's article. And if I had, if I, if I could spend another two days on it, I'm sure I could make the article even better than it was, but I just know I've allocated that much time and I am giving it a fair amount of time. I'm not trying to just like do something to the bare minimum. I am giving it a fair amount of time. Um, but at the end of that, it's finished end of story. And, and over, over time, like that might have not worked the first time you did it. No, but what because you have more of a base to write off of. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, yeah. not even a base. You're just, you get into the habit. You know on what pace you have to do and what you, yeah. how much you got to do. So yeah, for how many anyone, days ahead of time you have to think about the idea and let it yeah. mull around in your head? I just, for anyone this, uh, listening, if they're going to try something like that, and then, you know, they don't make it. They're like, oh, well, that didn't work for me. Well, like, look, it didn't work for us either at first. Yeah. And then maybe yeah. we set too short a time or whatever. But then once you kind of refine it, it can be it can be very effective. Yeah, once you've do, done some task for years, you kind of understand, okay, it should take me on average that much time and uh, kind of kind of move forward. So deadline, the power of deadlines, if, you, if you're not getting stuff done that you should be done, you're not honoring your own deadlines. Um, 
another thing that I was going to, I was, I wanted to talk about is that what we've learned in the entrepreneurial life and kind of building business is that momentum in business is really hard to get going. Like when you are starting, like years one, <laughs> you just said really you know, yeah, hard to oh get going. Oh my God. I was just like, oh, I was thinking like when you start like years zero to three in business is tough, especially if you're starting from zero and you don't have a client or referral base of business to work off when you begin. Like Nick, the hours that we were putting in from year zero to three, the hours that we were putting in and the the, the amount of money we were taking out, which was essentially zero um, for those years. I mean, we were taking out enough money to just like barely live. Um, but, uh, you know, you have to put in a lot of effort to create, create momentum. And then I think it's that book, Good to Great, that talks about the flywheel, that like once you get a flywheel kind of spinning, it takes a lot of momentum to get the flywheel spinning. But once you have it spinning, the momentum can kind of, uh, it's easier to keep that momentum going. So if you're kind of in business and you're in year zero to three, or even that zero to five year window, just know how much effort it takes to keep the business going and to continue to build that momentum. I think we were probably we didn't even realize how much how hard it was to start a business. Yeah, I mean, it's only looking back that we understand that. At the time, we didn't really we just we just thought that's what it had to do. That, that, yeah, right. But now well, you you're can, just doing everything, you know. But it depends where you start from and what you're doing. And it stuff does. Like that. It doesn't I mean, have you, to be. You, doesn't it doesn't have to be. Build home, my building momentum. Like, yeah, no, I know. I guess I just look back. I'm like, yeah, you probably shouldn't start with like absolutely zero clients, zero clue, zero anything like we did. I think a lot of people move into a business from like another similar business and they can hit the ground running a little yeah, bit. Yeah, there's, there's, there's different ways, but but there are, but, but still, it, it doesn't change the fact that you're trying to do everything. And then what you quickly learn is that when you try to hire someone for whatever position, it's not as easy to find the person that you were hoping to find as you may have yeah. thought that, yeah. that, that is what that, that is probably the number one thing that I've seen from every, you know, entrepreneur that I've spoken with is that's been a challenge for them. They're like, Oh yeah, I just didn't know. Or this person didn't work out. You got to find someone else or this person's not really working out, but I'm sticking with them just because like, you know, to have to go and find someone else, I, I just too busy because I got to do all this other stuff, you, you know, so it's definitely probably the number one challenge in I'd imagine any business. It's yeah. And I think the reason I'm sighing when I say it is just because I'm flashing back to like when we started the business, I remember at, at some point getting up and going to like Williams Coffee Pub for 5 a.m. when they unlocked the doors, rushing in there. And I would leave at that time my house because I didn't want my kids to wake up because then they would disturb me and I wouldn't get anything done. So I would leave my house, go to Williams Coffee Pub, write and work for a few hours, then come into to our office. At that time, it was in Burlington. It wasn't in Oakville. Um, and then by the time I got home at night, I was so exhausted. And I remember this one time specifically, I think we were on the phone together and you were like, hey, Tom, when you get home, can you just like send me that email really quick that I need? Like I kind of need that, you know, pretty urgently. And I got home. That's the time when I used to carry a big black laptop bag around. I remember opening the door and I got home. I could tell Carol was exhausted from the day. There's two kids, like one's in the bath. The other one needs to be fed dinner. Comes running at me, grabs my legs, gives me a hug. And I'm like... I don't even, I, it is impossible for me now to tell the family, Hey, hold off a second. You know, I have to send this email out. And at the same time, Nick's probably wondering why the heck can't he just freaking send me that email I need? You know, it takes two seconds, you know? So just that kind of time, that, that whole balance in the, uh, when you're building a business does not exist. You know, when you're starting to a business, man, it, you're battling a lot of things at the same mm -hmm. time. And just uh, just know that you're not if you're going through that, you're totally not alone. We've all we've all been there and we still kind of battle that at all times. It's easier now as your business grows and you have more people, you can structure things better. But it's you're always now. battling. You're dealing with, like I said, whoever deals with the most shit wins. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Look, if things go too smooth for too long, just realize something's coming up behind you that you're going to have to deal with. Yeah. Something's going to hit the fan. Yeah. But it's, it's everywhere. It's like, everywhere. Just get over it. If you're looking for the easy way to do things and you're looking for the perfect way to start and you're looking for the smoothest road, it just is not there. Like, just get ready for the bumpy road. Get ready for the twists and turns and just go do it. I mean, I don't know. That's like I live. I, we don't have that quote here, but, you know, there's that, that quote. I, I don't think it was ever assigned to anyone. It says unknown, but it's like it is assigned to is some, it, someone has said I want to go sliding into my grave at 100 miles an hour. You know, thinking, yeah, when I what die, the hell, what a, what a ride or yeah. whatever. Right. Yeah. We really butchered that one. But well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but there is that there is some quote about that. And that's that's what it is. I mean, so if you're looking for the safe, straight path 
path, calm, collected, everything smooth. Perfectly balanced. It's, it's not, you, will, it's, you will take out this much money every month yeah. and a perfect amount. It's not the path. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. You but know. on the flip side, how grateful, like I'm so grateful we have started the, the oh, yeah, freedom I, that it gives us, the, 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 the amount of confidence we have in the ability to support our own lives in any business. Like it, I'm so grateful. Yeah, I agree. But for some people, that's not life on their terms. If we go, if we go back to truly like the your life, your terms message, some people that isn't. You know what You're I mean? Right. There's, yeah, yeah. They want it structured in a different way, and they're yeah, like, perfectly you know what? This balanced. is what this my, my terms is this is doing this in this manner in this structure every day the same way whatever and that's yeah. totally cool with this much stress and no more yeah that's yeah. that's great if that's for them then then you know as long more as that, as long you. as that's for them now if they feel trapped in that environment or frustrated then, then they should know that there's all sorts of other options for them yeah, right yeah. for sure yeah the whole entrepreneurial life is a zigzag but it's totally worth it um, okay, so there's tons more to go through. We didn't even get through uh, so, like half the stuff I wanted to talk about, but we'll wrap it up uh, from there. Hopefully you're taking some value from this. Listen, if you're on your own path, just as Nick said, we want you to live life on your terms. So the reason that we're mixing in some entrepreneurial stuff with this podcast is building businesses is definitely one way to get you there. So anyway, we'll leave it at that. Hold on one second. Now, since we have, yeah, I think I've read, I read this, we found the quote. And it is, um, so the, uh, this site has it associated to Hunter S. Thompson. So I don't know if that's accurate or not, but on this site, that's what comes up. It says, I never know if that's accurate because I've read so many quotes now that are attributed to multiple different people. I agree. And I lose track of who's the actual origin. And that's of- exactly why I said, I don't know if it's, it's him. That's what I'm saying, this this site. So um, life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming what a ride. Well, sorry, wow, what a ride. Yeah, I love that quote. Yeah. Cool. We'll leave it at that. Hey, everyone. It's Tom Grazza. So hopefully you found that rant and ramble around business and entrepreneurship um, somewhat useful. If you have any questions around this topic or if you have any ideas or want anything answered, feel free to send us an email to um, to this address. It's podcast at rockstarinnercircle.com. Podcast at rockstarinnercircle.com. And thank you to each of you who are leaving us reviews and feedback on the, um, on the iTunes store for this podcast. We really appreciate that. If you haven't had a chance and you think we deserve that, can we please ask that you do that for us? It means a lot. It really um, is the fuel that kind of keeps us going with this podcast. So if you have, if you think we've earned that from you and you can leave us a rating and a review um, on iTunes, we would be extremely grateful for that. And any other ideas you have for the show, we are getting feedback in, so we really appreciate that. You can email that to podcast at rockstarinnercircle.com. Until next time, your life, your terms.